This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Hey, hey, welcome to Talking Halos, our 10th episode of the series is Derek C. Apollo, all by myself to just present you this special interview with the LA Times Angels beat writer Maria Torres, that's right, she's in, she's had an off day yesterday, it was an opportunity for her to make the rounds, we talked to various different Angels outlets, including now our podcast, so check out what we had to say, you know, what she had to say to us, really, but first... We're just getting started here to podcast. Again, episode 10. But if you like what we're doing, hey, check us out on iTunes, please, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. iTunes is right now the most well-known podcast outlet out there, and so your support through that that meeting will really help us out. Also, a review there as well. If that's a review, if you want to earn it, great. Just send us an email, talkinghalos at gmail.com, and give us your feedback. We'd really appreciate it. And finally, if you are a new listener and just now find the show, please do us a favor. Please text a fellow Angels fan and let them know about our podcast. It would mean the world to us. It really would. Okay, without further ado, here's our interview with the LA Times Angels beat writer, Maria Torres. Hope you enjoy. All right, folks, I'm here with Maria Torres from the Los Angeles Times. That's right. The LA Times beat writer for the Angels is here, and I have lots of questions for her. But Maria, how are you doing? I'm not doing bad. I got some sleep last night, which is great. So <laughs> those off days, now. those off days are magical, aren't they? Oh yeah, they're <laughs> definitely needed. And I was uh, usually I try to I try not to like really schedule a flight after a game if I can avoid it. However, like the game yesterday was at twelve local time, and I was just like, all right, I need to get out of here as soon as possible. So thankfully, the uh, Angels helped me out and didn't play an extra inning game. Well, I would imagine that just the fact you can actually be home and in bed for in your own bed, not in some other random hotel bed, you're going to take that shot. Oh. You're going to go. Oh for my it. god, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I actually, so I was, uh, I did not hold out for the entire road trip. I went, I went off for the Detroit series, and uh, I'm glad to have done that because I've been around Jeff Fletcher now for a couple of days, and he's uh, last week, and he is just like itching to get home. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was glad to have those three days off. Do not blame you one bit. They, those long, those road trips have to be long. They have to be tiring. And if the players get tired to the point where at one point in life in their lives they may have need, need a greenies back in the day, I can only imagine <laughs> just trying to cover the team and then you're doing the writing afterwards and before and, and, and talking to people on social media. It has to be exhausting. It absolutely oh, has yeah. to be. So, <laughs> but some people who listen to our show are from across the country. That's the neat thing about podcasts is that you listen from anywhere. And mm-hmm. so they don't know really they may not know too much about you. Can you let folks know about Maria Torres, the Angels beat writer? All right. Um, well, well, we can start with, uh, I, I grew up in Georgia. Uh, I moved there when I was in sixth grade. I'm actually, uh, I was born in Puerto Rico and I'm Puerto Rican and Dominican descent. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Georgia and I, I loved the Braves. Um, after, after I started watching baseball in middle school, um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I just kind of started. I wanted to be. I wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be a writer. And and, co- and once I started college, I figured uh, uh, I could I could do one of two things. I could be an English teacher or a journalist, which was very obviously lucrative careers. <laughs> uh, and so I chose to be. I chose to be a journalist instead. Um, and you know, here we are today. Uh, this is my. This is only. This is. I've only been covering a beat full time for two for. Uh, I guess a little bit more than a year. So this is just my second season on a beat and I covered the Royals last year and now covering the Angels. So it's been kind of a bit of a whirlwind since, uh, you know, just in the last three years or so. Um, but it's definitely, definitely a fun challenge. So this is your first year covering the Angels. Yes, it is. I started right at the end of last season at the LA Times, So it was like mid September when you probably started seeing my byline there. So, well, then this is a great chance for the fans to get to know you and your work a little bit and mm-hmm. to see a little bit of your expertise. We get some get into some <laughs> baseball today. You ready to go on that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, the first thing I want to ask you about is, well, just overall, the Angels get a day off. They are a little more than a quarter way through the season at 43 games now. So how do you evaluate this team after 43 games? And what are some of the positives and negatives you can glean from their 20 and 23 start? Um. So I'm publishing today a story about, like, just looking at what I think is exactly what we're going to talk about right now. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely give that a, a check at latimes.com slash angels. Uh, but I, I think there are definitely, like, some positives to glean. Like, you know, now that Otani is back, for instance, um, the lineup is definitely heated up. I think they're hitting 312 um, with an 8, somewhere in the, an 890 OPS range. Um, in the last eight games, so or nine games, so that would be a massive plus here because they were batting something around like two thirty before mm-hmm. um, Otani came back. Uh, only, that, but the drawback is like the pitching hasn't really been there, so uh, they really need to put both of those things together. And the only way they can really do that is if Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey figure things out. Um, and uh, if, if you're a fan of the Angels and watch the Angels, you know for a fact like neither of them have really been uh, stellar this year. They've had, they've definitely had their their series of good starts. Um, you know, Harvey threw seven seven in Kansas City, and and Cahill was for a long time the only one who could who could make it out of the fifth inning. Um, so they just need to get back to their strengths. And Cahill has just been bit by the home run ball, and Harvey has just kind of been. Uh, I don't. I don't really know what it is. His stuff is so good, um, but he's just kind of uh, been. He's been. He, he's kind of been beating around the bush a lot, and kind of just needs to. I think he just needs to kind of walk in, um, and I think we'll see Harvey improved on the line. Sure, and I think Cahill has kind of uh, 
narrowed in on some things too, like that'll help him improve and that, that'll be relying a little bit more on his changeup than he was doing at the beginning of the season and um, <clears throat> just getting the ground ball that he's supposed to be getting. So uh, other, I guess there are a ton of other like surprises too, if you want to talk about those. Um, you know, there's Brian Goodwin who, uh, another like kind of like scrap heap pickup by Billy Epler uh, ended up being, has ended up being pretty, a pretty like good pickup for him after all. Like he, uh, he spent spring training with the Royals in Kansas City, uh, kind of tinkering with his 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 swing mechanics a little bit, and he figured like he like he had a job with them, so he felt confident in his ability to just kind of experiment. And turns out he didn't he wasn't as uh, he wasn't as established as he had thought, so the Royals released him, um, and now the Angels have kind of reaped the benefits of his own like experimentation, and he got off to a really good start. I mean, I think he went. Like go for 14 there for a little bit, and he has he, he kind of broke out with four hits yesterday and a hit in the game before that. Um, and then, of course, Tommy LaStella slash Tommy LaSlugger, <laughs> who's an <laughs> 11 home run to lead the team, and never really expected someone like Tommy LaStella to do that. Uh, he had 10 career home runs entering this season, and he's already at 11 in 120-odd uh, plate appearances. So... Um, there, there are things to key on that are definitely optimistic and, uh, or that inspire some optimism. So looking in now, you, you mentioned some of the pitching, and we do want to zero in that a bit. <laughs> it, let's just be honest, it's been a bit of a train wreck. You mentioned the performances mm-hmm. of Harper and Cahill, and no one's happy about that. But the rest of the pitching staff hasn't done well either to the point now where Camming's up. Are the Angels looking at some changes to the rotation? What are you hearing through the grapevine? Uh, I think the Angels have been pretty focused on uh, staying internal um, when it comes to uh, pitching. Um, you know, during the offseason, they went after guys like Shea Happ and Patrick Corbin, um, and they, you know, they didn't get them. And for that reason, I think they, that's why they obviously changed gears and went for the little, the, the, you know, somewhat cheaper options than Cahill and Harvey. Um, and I just because of that decision making, I don't see them going after someone like Keuchel, um, unless you know it's after the draft and his price tag has come down dramatically. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet, and I know, and I mean, there are definitely scouts around. I mean, all kinds of scouts are you know watching him pitch here. And um, where's he? Where's he been um, pitching? I can't remember. It's like I think Orange Coast College or something like that. He just is some kind of off the beaten path place in California. I'm not real sure yeah. about these things. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly, I'm not real thrilled the idea of him going. In, I'm not, I'm not thrilled the idea of the Angels signing him unless it's on a one year deal. Because I yeah, think it's I a don't plan. see it. Yeah, I don't think it, it just doesn't really make sense because the Angels have a couple of prospects that they could still kind of rely on. I mean, Canning is just getting his feet underneath himself. Um, Berea right now is not doing that hot and at AAA, but we've seen what he can do when he uh, is, you know, actually uh, in a groove. Um, so there's still there's still upside there. Um, Jose Suarez, uh, who just cracked, I think, the Baseball America's top hundred prospect list, um, is you know getting off to a pretty good start at AAA. There, there are things that the Angels the Angels have pieces that can um, definitely improve. And plus, you got Andrew Heaney's coming back soon. Um, when that is, I guess it could be any time in the next like week and a half or so. Uh, he just pitched yesterday, and uh, Austin has said last week or earlier this week that 
Um, and he only needs three starts, three rehab starts to come back, and he's already done two, so um, could feasibly see him by the end of the month. Um, so he will be coming back, and if he can regain any kind of the form that he had last year, that would obviously be a boost. And Tyler Skaggs, uh, Tyler Skaggs is a good pitcher. I think right now things just haven't really gone his way, um, but Tyler Skaggs definitely has the ability to be better than he's doing at the moment, and um, I have I do not lack confidence that that will come out here soon. Um, but yeah, I mean it's definitely been a little bit of a train wreck. I mean the Angels weren't planning on using an opener <laughs> yeah. ever. I mean, not, maybe not ever, but they, I mean we we talked to Austin about it in spring training, and he was open to the idea, but it didn't seem like he was going to be necessary, and it has been necessary. So. Um, definitely remains to be seen on what the pitching staff can accomplish. And the opener is also there's also some give and take to that. You know, the, if if the opener works great, you get through that first inning, and but then that pitcher's gone for the rest of the game. You can't use him, so mm-hmm. that's a burned guy when you really could use him in later innings. And that's to me a concern down the stretch. I, where this pitching staff is burning through innings for the relievers right now, and come July and August, that's going to be a problem. So all that in mind, just want to verify what what you're saying here. The attitude you're getting from the Angels right now is that they're not really going to go after like a Kimbrel or, or Cutchell right now. They're going to try and work this out internally. Yeah, I don't see Kimberly or Cuckle being in the Angels' plans. Yeah, and honestly, I, unless it's a one-year deal and it's after the draft, so not being, they're not commenting, I wouldn't be really for it. I think there's a bigger plan to it. Uh, and I, I do want to ask you about that plan later on, but there's we're, we're talking also about, you know, you mentioned Berea and Canning. We're starting to see some of these young prospects and organizations get their way up to the majors. Canning has shown some flashes. I mean, he's his fastball just rises beautiful Luis Rangifo um, Jared Walsh went three for five his debut when can we start expecting some of these other these other prospects to make their way up including Adele I know Adele's been hurt but Tice and so on and so forth um yeah so Adele Adele was definitely on the fast track before he got hurt in spring training he was on the fast track to the major leagues and it, w- it would have been really easy to imagine him um on the 40-man roster come September uh but, you know, now it's looking like he's not going to get started here for another couple of weeks, and um, that, you know, that cut off two months of his development and at the minor league level. So it, I think it would be kind of a, an uphill, uphill battle for him to come up this year, um, and he might be in better position at this point to, like, uh, go after a spot next spring training. Um, however, you know, like, Billy talks about all the time, Epler talks all the time about how players tap them on the shoulder when they're, Tap them on the shoulder when they're ready, and if Adele, um, you know, scorches Double A pitching and does the same thing and at the PCL level, and it, it doesn't look inflated by the PCL environment, um, it could very well be a possibility. Like he could definitely be on the, in the roster or on the roster in September. Um, it just kind of remains to be seen. As for the other guys, uh, Matt Thice, he. I think, um, hold on, let me look up his numbers really quick, but Matt Dice is just one of those players who kind of has a little bit more, uh, needs a little bit more growth or development at, at the plate. Um, they're using him kind of all over the field right now in an effort to, to help him rise quicker to the major leagues. Um, he was, you know, like 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 Ward, I mean, they both played catcher in, in college, um, but Dice was drafted as a first baseman, and Ward will obviously move to third and is now... Um, playing all over the field too. He's also that person in, in the outfield. So um, I think Dice just kind of he, let's see. He's he's 
beating up a little bit, but he still struck out 25 times here uh, in 142 at bats. Still mm-hmm. kind of has to refine the batter's eye a little bit. Um, but he, he had a really good spring, um, and the Angels definitely like what they have there. So I would not be surprised at all if he's up with a team by, at some point by the end of the season. Um, and I forgot who else you mentioned. Well, I'm also thinking about Jared Walsh came up and he was mm-hmm. he was solid in his first game. Other players come to mind as well. You mentioned Suarez, you, and I'm just thinking mm-hmm. who can we expect to see maybe this year to have some kind of impact come September and or earlier. Um, there's I mean there's people who've already been up. For instance, mm-hmm. Jake Jewell, who uh, who uh, who you know made a good impression on the on the Angels, and um, you know maybe would have gotten a better chance last year if he hadn't had the injury that he had. Uh, you know, at the plate in Boston. Um, but he, you know, he's another one of those uh, believers with a, with a good fastball and um, good command of a breaking ball and can definitely come up and um, help boost the bullpen. Um, and, uh, I mean, Ward will be back at some point this season, too, I would imagine. Like, he, I think he just needs, he, he needs a bit more defensive work. Um, his bat speaks for itself. Um, and that was obvious last year and was obvious in spring um, and, and it's been obvious so far this year at AAA. But uh, once he kind of, I think once he can really prove that he can hold down third base, um, then he will get more of an opportunity at the major league level. <laughs> so my partner in crime here on the show, John, we've been really arguing this thing over the last couple of weeks, especially, you know, on social media, a lot of Angels fans are kind of upset. There's been articles out there about the Angels signing all these one-year contracts and so on and so forth. And we're convinced the Angels have a plan. I don't think Mike Trout signs long-term unless the Angels have shown him there's a plan to win. We believe they're they're going the, getting the veterans now, one-year deals, two-year deals, short-term things while they're building the farm system up to have a youthful core around Trout for the coming mm-hmm. decade. That's what we believe the plan is. Is that what you're seeing, or just something else going on that we're, we're not quite peeking through at? No, I think that's exactly right. I think the Angels want to... Um, the, the Angels have a building under Billy Epler. That farm system has really improved. Trout has been encouraged by the improvements he's seen there. He keeps tabs on it all the time. Um, he is very plugged into what's going on in the organization. and uh, he, the I mean... We had a private meeting with him right before he had an, he did the um, the introduction to the fans at Angel Stadium um, when he signed his contract. And I mean, the, the one of the main things he kind of like explained to us that he liked about this team and this organization is just how open Epler is with his players, um, and everyone kind of knows what what they see for this organization, and they they're all on the same page. Um, and I don't think, I mean, it's hard to say, like, how other organizations operate, but I think that was definitely a, um, a good sign to Trout, and that's why he's, that's why he wanted to stay. And I, I, I would imagine that if something like that kind of changed, like, he wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have agreed to stay in, at, in an Angels uniform for the next 12 years. So let, let me just follow up with that a little bit, because I'm hearing some things about Epler that, I'm hearing, I've heard that whisper before about how he's with the players and so on and so forth. Yet, I'm, there's a lot of, again, neg- social media, and it brings to the worst scenario, but a lot of folks are really down on him. 
what kind of impact yeah. has Billy <laughs> Epler had on this organization? And should the fans have faith that he is that he's got this club in the right path? I think the fans think that Epler is an idiot, and that is not correct. <laughs> Epler is very, very plugged in, and he knows exactly what he is doing. And he learned from some of the best in New York uh, with the Yankees when he was there. Uh, he would not have gotten the job that he got with the Angels if, he, if, if it weren't obvious that he was passionate about this ball club and making sure that it could position for success. Um, and if he wasn't, uh, he wasn't forward thinking too. Uh, the for some, I mean, the Angels didn't. I mean, Angels fans, sorry, didn't approve of the Osmus uh, the Osmus, making Osmus manager. Um, but Osmus so far is not, in my view, not presented any reason to for dislike or disdain. Um, he has been he's been analytically inclined. He has uh, done. He has made moves that, or you know, he and Epler have made moves that perhaps might not have been seen in previous years, such as you know, demoting Justin Bohr. Um, and bringing up guys like uh, Canning and giving giving him continued shots at the rotation, um, and beyond that, I mean, Epler, Epler and his team of uh, officials have kind of have just brought the farm system out from underneath a, a, a haze there, um, and now they're ranked. The farm system is ranked anywhere between fifteen and, and somewhere in the top fifteen, depending on which uh, publication you're mm-hmm. looking at. Um, and the Angels weren't that way when Jerry Depoto was around. They were, but they had one of the worst farm systems, which you could also attribute to the fact that, like, obviously Mike Trout came up and other players came up around him, and, so, and they started bartering and trading, and Jerry Depoto did all of his trades and that kind of stuff. Um, but Epler has done nothing but make moves that improve the farm system. I think you could really see that, for instance, last year at the trade deadline, uh, flipped, flipped Ian Kinsler to, a, you know, Ian Kinsler, who is obviously been on a downswing the last couple of years uh, and got Ty Butchery and William Perez out of that. And Butchery is now one of the best relievers in that bullpen, um, one of the best breaking balls in that bullpen, too. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, granted, Flip Perez for Stratton, and that was a failed experiment for Stratton. Um, nice. But there have just been too many other like good acquisitions, such as Hans- Hansel Robles, another, I think he had been, I want to say he was DFA'd, don't quote me on that for sure, but regardless, he snatched him up from the Mets. Who he had been underperforming with the with the Mets, and here he is with the Angels, and he's um, you know mowing down hitters like he is, and kind of an unassuming way too. So um, I think fans should go a lot easier on Epler. I think he definitely he has a plan up his sleeve, and they they're not a they're not a um, an a front office that has leaks. So a lot of the times you'll hear stuff around the same times that we do. Um, but I mean, we're not just flying like a, like an angel flag for them. Like we understand exactly what they're doing. Um, and I mean, what he's done, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to like point a lot of negatives out. Did you say <laughs> that front office doesn't have a lot of leaks? I'm thinking, man, they, they, the Lakers need to reach out to them and learn a few tricks here. Good gosh, I'm talking about front office leaks. <laughs> um, <laughs> just my last question for you, and this is kind of the big thing that was you know, broke earlier, and that was news came out this week that a waterfront stadium in Long Beach could cost upwards of $1.1 billion, and that there would probably be a need for public funds. At this point, just with your ears to the ground, 
how likely is it that we'll see the Angels play in Long Beach at some point, or is it more likely the Angels build a stadium or renovate Angel Stadium? I think it's more likely that they stay in Anaheim. Um, Long Beach seems like it's the investment there uh, is a little steep. Um, I don't know how much buy-in there will be from the public. Um, and to be honest, I, I, I am not, this is not my story. Bill Shagan is definitely handling this one for us. But uh, my understanding is just that the, the, the stadium itself definitely needs a, definitely needs some renovations. But it underwent a lot of renovations recently. Um, and they brought the stadium up to par. Uh, with other other leagues, uh, other teams in the league, and um, or the stadiums, excuse me. Uh, so I just find it hard to think that the Angels will leave Anaheim anytime soon. I mean, granted, they're going to be there now through 2020, um, and they have to decide soon like what they're going to do. I think it makes the most sense for them to just stay put, uh, just you know, cost wise and perception wise. I think. I just going back in time and. I'm a long-time Rams fan. We have a Rams podcast, too. And I remember how much it cost the Rams just to move from the Coliseum out to Anaheim Stadium in terms of transit and fans not wanting to make the move out there. I would imagine it would be the same thing if the team mm-hmm. were to move its roots from Anaheim to Long Beach just because people don't, people don't want to brave that traffic. Yeah, I, I mean, just imagine all the Orange County. Yeah, like all the Orange County residents who are kind of getting a shaft on this and uh, – Granted, you know, when, when Arnie Maria bought the team, his primary uh, focus was on branding it as, an, as a Los Angeles team. Um, and, you know, he's done, a, he's done a fairly good job of that, and, you know, as far as, you know, like marketing around town. Like, I live, I live downtown L.A., and uh, there are, you know, advertisements around for the Angels everywhere, too. Not as, not as many as the Dodgers, but, and I live, like, seven minutes from the Dodgers Stadium. Um, but there are, you know, I, I see trout on billboards here. Uh, but, you know, Orange County uh, is, is not to be underestimated, obviously. And so uh, if, if, it, if they were to leave Orange County, I can't imagine it would be easy for Orange County fans to go out or for Orange County residents to go out to Long Beach um, and support a team like that, especially when, you know, the Angels have had their roots here. They've been there forever. All right, Maria, thank you so much for taking the time with us and give us the lowdown and your thoughts on the Angels and where they're going and where they've been. And I hope that we can talk again. You were a great guest, and and uh, I hope you enjoy visiting with us. Yeah, I did. You got a good host. <laughs> awesome! Yay, we did something right. So, can you let folks know where <laughs> can you let folks know where they can find your work? Especially since you you mentioned you had some stuff you're working on just today. I know Ellie times behind a paywall. Can you explain how that works and and also where they can find you mm-hmm. on Twitter? Uh, so. We'll start with the last bit. So you can find me on Twitter, Maria underscore Torres three, and that's Torres T O R R E S. Um, and you can find any Angels related content that the LA Times produces at latimes dot com slash Angels. Uh, there is a paywall, and I mean you still you definitely get a couple for free, um, but there are packages around where you can get uh, you know a free trial, or you can get three months free three months for ninety nine cents. There's a lot of things that really uh, make sense for fans, especially fans who want to read about the Angels. Um, so I would just give, give a look at the site. There's more. It's not just Angels coverage that you're getting at the LA Times. You're getting all those major sports in the area, high school sports, news. We've got fantastic staff. We're really growing our newspaper and the reach of it. And I can't recommend enough uh, being subscribed to a local paper like this one. It's definitely on the up and up. Um, 
So, yeah, that's where you can find it. All right, awesome. Again, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Wow, Maria had a lot to say. Gave, it was generous with her time as well. Some very interesting things in there. Make sure you go off and read her work that she's going to put out today and yesterday, especially given the off that gave her a chance to really kind of expound on some things. And she teased that a little bit in, in the interview. So, again, check it out. Maria Torres, find her on Twitter, follow her. I hope to have her back on the show. Really neat, neat person. And, you know, just enjoy again having her on the show okay so it's time for us to go before we do if you are a small business or just a business in general want to sponsor the show want to advertise with us hey our numbers are going up our last podcast was one of the uh, was one of the highest podcasts we've had it was the highest podcast we've had in terms of numbers we're growing and we're growing quickly so reach out to us talkinghalos at gmail.com if you like what we're doing help us keep the lights on here you can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453 don't forget us on Twitter at Talking Halos and or search for our page on Facebook. You can find me, Derek C. Paula at D C I A P A L A or John Crane at Jags Crane C R A I N E John on Twitter as well. Don't forget us on Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're getting around now. We're on Player FM. So check us out. With all that said, I hope you enjoy the interview. We'll be back this weekend doing another Twins preview. Have a great day. Take it easy. Go Angels. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.